When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. G'day, thanks for your company. If you buy a ticket to a sporting event, does it give you the right to do, to act, to say whatever you want? 131355 0467 736 736. The Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line is there for you. Look, one of the world's best, one of the world's most recognisable athletes think that it does give you that right. Uh, but for the first time, I'm in disagreeance with Novak Djokovic. A very good morning. Ben Davis with you for summer breakfast, filling in for Patton Heels. They are back bright and early on a Monday for 2024. Oh, we are doing it this morning, all thanks to MFP Easy, voted Queensland's best fiberglass pool builder, mfpeasy.com.au, where reputation talks uh, coming to you live from SENQ HQ here in the Valley. But whether you're listening on air, 693am, 1620 on the Gold Coast, online or on your phone, that number is the same. To be part of Queensland Sports' biggest conversation this morning, fan behaviour, fantastic debuts, and freaking around with the rules. We have tennis, cricket, rugby league. This morning we'll hear from Brad Hodge on the first test in Adelaide, but also the BBL finals tomorrow night at Carrara. Uh, Brett Phillips will swing by from Melbourne Park. What a night and day it was there for Aussies. And Jimmy Pearson, captain last year of the Brisbane Heat. Uh, He's only played the one game, and now he is Fair in the middle of finals contention. Could he be the key of getting Brisbane to host the Big Bash final? All coming up over the next two hours before I take you back to Adelaide and day two of the second test against the Windies. It's great work from Cricket Australia to actually allow Matt Renshaw to be released from the Australian test team or Australian test squad to come back and play that Big Bash final. Outstanding stuff. Um, Could he be the difference? I reckon he. I reckon he's going to add some value. He's had a quietish summer in Big Bash, but remember last year that ramp shot he played on the last ball to get the heat home. Yeah, Matt Renshaw can uh, pull out an innings when needed. Maybe he'll be the difference against the Sixers uh, tomorrow night. I tell you what, he did do yesterday though on his way back to Britain. He he missed one of the all-time greats Test debuts. So you get what you ask for. Perhaps under Rayson. Your man is with the ball in hand. <laughs> yeah, exciting moment for for Shama Joseph. Incredible story of a man who grows up in a village, really back of beyond. Leaves his village because one day he's, his family's into the logging business. That's the only thing you can do in Barakara where he comes from. And he sees his life flash before his eyes and he says, no, I need to do something better in life. 
moves to the closest big town. Here he is making his test debut two years later. And he's bowling to Steve Smith of all people. And he aborts his run in. <laughs> and the way he batted, you just get the feel he'll take a wicket tonight. He had so much confidence when he batted. You can't see he'll be anything but confident with the ball. Yeah, That's correct. his craft. Correct. And am I right in saying he was identified by Kirtley Ambrose? Yes, he at was. At a fast bowling yep. camp? Yep. Wow. It's amazing, yeah. And Kirtley Ambrose has stayed in touch with him ever since. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, if you're a kid and Kirtley says you can bowl, then you believe in yourself. In he comes to Steve Smith. Edge! Oh! It's no way! He's out first. Ball is bowled. Unbelievable. Gets a wicket. With the first delivery, he's bowled to Steve Smith, one of the greats <laughs> of all time. You can't write the script like that, surely. What about announcing yourself to the world of Test cricket? Your very first ball, you get the great Steve Smith out, and it was an absolute beauty. Oh, ho, ho. He sparted it, got the outside edge, and it was a good catch taken by third slip. I'm not sure who that was at third. Was it McKenzie? She had to get low. I didn't think it was going to carry. I think that oh, Justin yes. Graves, oh, Graves. In third slip. I mean, talk about fairy tales coming true. Ah, yes. Talk about fairy tales coming true indeed. As we plan and wait and hope for the $100 million Powerball tonight, yesterday Shamar Joseph showed that dreams do come true. 24 years of age, the Windy's paceman almost plucked from obscurity 12 months ago. He had, well, just his first taste of first-class cricket. And now they're comparing him to the GOAT. Nathan Lyon taking a wicket with his first ball in test match cricket, coming in with only a handful, and and I say a handful of first-class games under his belt, identified by Kirtley Ambrose, fair judge, as someone who should be doing this as a profession. Uh, His story will go down in history. It's an amazing one too. We'll discuss that uh, as the morning winds on. But Shamar Joseph, and not only that, I mean, he's come out in his test debut to bat first, Batting at number 11, 36. So he comes in after his side has lost six for 35. They're on their knees at nine for 133. And then he puts on a 55-run 10th wicket stand, a record 10th wicket stand, amazing stuff. 66 batting at 11 and then a space of, what, two or three overs. He gets out two of the best batsmen we've seen on the planet in the last five years, and Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne. Uh, uh, Shamar Joseph, uh, a story that uh, will be told not only here, but around the cricketing world that is absolutely sensational to see. And it's and it's stuff like that, as a fan, you go, yep, the theatre of sport. Jesus can throw up some great stuff. We're all there sitting waiting for Steve Smith and his debut as test opener. But it was overshadowed by this kid. Outstanding stuff. Uh, Australia, two for 59 in reply to the Windies, 188. Uzi unbeaten on 30. Cameron Green unbeaten on six. As I said, our coverage from Adelaide Oval from 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, Pat Cummins, too. What, what about him with the new ball? He, he's outstanding, the Australian captain, isn't he? He's hard to fault. Um, for the first time in almost a century, uh, he is uh, – or he's, he's got figures, I should say – uh, that are up there for the first time in nearly a century as far as an Australian bowler is concerned. The wickets he's picked up, 36 wickets at an average of 11 over this summer. It's amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. You'd have to go back through the history books. You get into the Bradman era uh, of when someone has uh, done that. Uh, Mitchell Johnson, remember that 
tear away spell that he had against the Palms and the Ashes. What was that, 2013, 2014? Um, he was averaging around 13 at that point. Pat Cummins has come in and, mind you, uh, Pakistan and the Windies, probably not the greatest of opponents, but still you can only play what's in front of you. Speaking of which, the Australian Open, Aussies mixed day for them. There were six in action yesterday, only two made it through. The Demon and Storm Hunter. Storm Hunter. Storm Hunter. How good a name is Storm Hunter? It's one of the strongest in sport, isn't it? Storm Hunter. Uh, she's through flying the flag for the Aussies in the third round. So is the Demon Storm Hunter. What other names? And I'm, I'm fixated on this, aren't I? Um, she's a. Give me some other names. Other names that are up there in not just Australian sport, world sport. Mm, Storm Hunter. I'm going to put my thinking cap on. Fixated on it, aren't I? Uh, but look, all the talk coming out of the Australian Open yesterday did involve uh, another Aussie, sadly, on the losing side, Alexei Poplin. He was taking on Novak Djokovic and took it up to him too. First Aussie to take a set off Novak in the best part of a decade at Melbourne Park. But then it's what happened midway through the match with a fan in the stands at Rod Laver Arena giving Novak a mouthful. It ended up changing the game because Novak called him out. He said, come on, mate, come down here and say that to my face. Obviously, the fan didn't, but did it did it affect the joke? Well, it actually affected him in a positive way because after the incident, uh, the world number one went on to win 10 of the next 12 points, taking a match-sealing 5-2 lead in the fourth set. Uh, did it rattle him? How did it affect him? Did it lift him? Novak Djokovic post-match. Well, it does. I mean, look, I mean, I'm not going to sit and say, no, it's it's all good. It's not good. I mean, of course it upsets me. I'm frustrated and, and you know, I don't want to be experiencing that, but I have to uh, accept it as it is. And sometimes I don't tolerate uh, when somebody crosses the line, you know. And that's it. That's what happened. Um, you know, people have a few, few drinks, I guess, late at night as well. That's That probably is, uh, also has an effect on how they feel and behave. Um, and that's okay. You know, people pay tickets to come and watch us. They want to see the show. They want to have fun. They're all allowed to do that. There, there's no issue. I mean, I, in terms of whether I, I didn't, I never asked anyone to, to leave the stadium. I never asked the chair umpire to take somebody out. I, I, I wouldn't do that because, you know, he paid his ticket and he, he has the right to be there and say what he wants to say and behave how he wants to behave. But if somebody crosses the line, then I'm going to take it to him, and as I did to this guy, and just yeah, ask him if he wants to come closer and tell me what he wants to tell me. You know, offend me, insult me, you know, as he did. So that, that's, that's all it is, you know. He, he was not really keen on coming down. That's, that's what it was. Yeah, good on him for calling him out, but uh, slippery slope, Novak. Really? He's paid his ticket. He's allowed to say and he's allowed to do what he wants. That's his right. No, that can't be right, can it? I mean, there's lines, there's decency, there's treating others how you would treat them, but where is that line? For you, when does it get crossed? 131355-0467-736-736. The Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line is there for you. We do have the Odyssey Golf Pack to give away a call of the day. I'd love for you to be involved in the show because, to me, you can't act and do what you want. I mean, obviously, there's laws for a start, so let's not be breaking those. But but when does, when does heckling, when does banter cross the line? And, and even if it's not directed 
at a, an individual, when does it cross the line? Are, are you are you able to swear at a sporting event? You've paid your money, you pay your ticket, you can curse. But again, isn't it the environment around you? I mean, if there's kids near you, surely not. Surely you can't say and act and do how you like. You, you, you check yourself, don't you? Or you've paid your hard-earned, you've got a right to be there and carry on how you wish. Which camp are you in? 13-13-55-0467-736-736. Novak Djokovic, the guy paid his money. He can act and do what he wants. Really? I wouldn't have thought so. Especially tennis players. I know I'm stereotyping here, but they can be a bit precious, can't they? Can't they? I mean, th- think about think about Stuart Broad and what he was copping at the Gabba for six hours a day, every day. Does he carry on like a pork chop? carry on, but maybe not that. Uh, 13 13 55 Uh, Well, Vanessa is standing by to join us. A quick one too. Rule changes in the NRL. Uh, not sure on this one. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's something that's come in vogue in the last couple of years. And I'm talking about the goal line dropouts, the short goal line dropouts, high, high risk and maybe high reward. I, I don't know. I thought it may be mitigating just getting the opposition, the ball back. But then you've got to work your sets out of the your own ten. I I, I don't know. I, I'm I, on face value. I'm not a fan of the short dropout. Sure, it's about possession, maybe forcing an error and trying to get a penalty to piggyback upfield. But there's a lot of things got to happen here. But what they've done, <clears throat> excuse me, starting next year, is pr- giving more incentive for teams to do that. So if you get the short dropout wrong. If it doesn't go the 10 or if it goes out in the full, it's a penalty to the other team, uh, basically gifting them two points. But as of next year, or sorry, as of this year, this season, 2024, the penalty is wiped out. The opposition does get the ball back, but they're taking a tap from the 10-metre line. Or if it's a dropout from halfway that doesn't go, yeah, it's from 10 metres in and on the halfway line. So the opposition does get the ball back, but it's not a penalty. It's just a tap off and run. It's a minor tweak. Graham Annesley said it's to encourage more exciting and unpredictable play of the goal line dropout, um, um, of the short goal line dropout, which I'm not a fan of to start with. But I'm also not a fan of tweaking with the rules. Do we have to have a rule change every year? And if we did... Shouldn't they make it a significant one? If you had to change a rule in footy, NRL, AFL, actually your sport, what would it be? Would it be something like this, a little tweak? And will this tweak make much difference? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736, 17 minutes past six. Vanessa, very good morning Hello. to you. Good morning. You buy your ticket to a game of footy, game mm. of cricket, whatever. Are you allowed to do and act what you, as you please? Oh, no, I think within within reason, hmm. you know. I think these people are pl- paid a lot of money. I know a lot of players, you know, AFL players say, oh, I love it when the crowd's against me, you know. It kind of gives them a bit of motivation. So I think there's definitely an element of, I don't know, in a way we we go with some pantomime behaviour in yeah. a way. And what so about, what about, they love the theatre of it. What about booing? Um, yeah, that generalised booing mm. I feel is okay, like if they're taking a shot for goal or whatever, yeah. and if it's for an on-field indiscretion, yeah. I don't agree with booing, targeting one particular player 
uh, you know, over. We 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 would boo something. Toby Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lions uh, opposition fans would boo Dane Zorko. Yes, that's part of that pantomime, isn't it? It it is. Yes, I I, I think I think, but booing, I, I reckon fair game. Yeah. It's just, you know. As long as it's not your player, right? No, that's right. No, and they, like, they don't mind it. But I just, I feel like sometimes, yeah, if a player is singled out Mm. over a previous incident or something else that has happened not in that game, I don't really agree with targeting a particular player in that way. But, yeah, I, I don't mind a bit of fun booing. 13, 13, 55, the Suncorp Home Resilience open line is there for you. Vanessa and I are on different sides of the desk and maybe just different sides of that <laughs> thing as well. I reckon booing, go for it. Uh, what is happening in news? Okay, well, some Thursday. big health dramas today for the British Royals. Now, firstly, Princess Kate has had abdominal surgery. Palace officials say it was planned, it was successful, but she'll be in hospital for up to two weeks and won't resume any of her royal duties until probably after Easter. So quite a significant procedure mm. that's happened. We don't know exactly what it is. They say it's not cancer-related. Even Prince William is stepping back from his official duties while his wife is in hospital and for a period after she's discharged. I mean, someone has to look after the kids. The kids, yeah, exactly Don't right. they? Yeah. So, look, and so shortly after that was announced, Buckingham Palace came out and said King Charles is also getting some medical treatment. He has an enlarged prostate. His condition is benign. He'll go to hospital next week for some treatment. He's also had to cancel a few engagements himself. Um, There is a bit of a a thinking, though, that the King was keen to share his diagnosis with the public just to encourage health, you know, men's health, and to say other guys out there, if it happens to the King, it can happen to you. Get it checked. Get the treatment. I was thinking exactly that, Ness. I mean, look, when you mention royals, I Mm. can just sort of glaze over and doze off. (laughs) Bad when you're driving. But anyway, (laughs) um, but but when you're mentioning that, yeah, they're real people. They're keeping it real. Yep, a good little reminder there today. Um, Now, we are reading today that 60-day review announced by our new Premier, Stephen Miles. It's getting underway today into the planned infrastructure for the Brisbane Olympics and Paralympics. So the former Lord Mayor, Graham Quirk, is going to oversee the review. The Premier says he wants it to look at the value for money, the fit for purpose, the deliverability and the community legacy of all the infrastructure um, projects. That includes the Gabba demolition and rebuild, the Brisbane Arena, as well as other things. <laughs> the findings will be handed to the Infrastructure Minister, Grace Grace, on March 18. Um, and Stephen Miles also says the independent delivery authority that he is setting up will be operational by the middle of the year. Mm. So oh, this is me just moving backwards to yeah. push off the back fence <laughs> from a long run, Vanessa. Yes, okay. we'll do that after the break. Yes, look, I think <laughs> time is ticking, so let's get this moving. And look, just a quick little public health um, concern out there, Sunraysia prune juice. If you have a bottle in your fridge of one litre prune juice, throw it out. It, there is a batch that has unintentionally fermented and is now alcoholic. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> don't give alcoholic it to your children. Juice. Put good. it out of reach. Pour it down the sink. Hang on. Yeah. Sell it. Save it. How okay. Good. There's, alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. there's alcoholic solo. There's al- Actually, can we be talking about this at this time? We are now. Yeah. All right. Alcoholic prune juice. Yep. I've heard it all now, Vanessa. I've heard it all now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- 22 minutes past... 
Of all the things I thought we'd be talking yeah. about this morning, it's not that. Uh, make sure you hear every single moment of the BBL qualifying final, the Brisbane Heat and the Sixers. Tomorrow night, live here on SENQ from 5 o'clock. That is the countdown to the qualifier. And then from 6 here in Brisbane and the Gold Coast, 6.93 a.m., 16.20 a.m. It's 6.23 a.m. this Thursday morning. the never-ending story. It is indeed the Gabba Rebuild, the Gabba Redevelopment. Get into that in just a second. Ben Davis with you. Summer breakfast powered by Kubota for over 40 years. We've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Um, I've got about 90 minutes before we head to Adelaide for our first test coverage, day two. Uh, I will give you more detail about the Gabba and the review going into it, but basically the Premier, who's been sitting in Cabinet this whole time we've had the Olympics as a deputy premier. He knows exactly what's going on, who's across it all, has decided to say, I need to get across this all and figure out what's going on. Really? Come on. This is just face saving. This is about getting votes. It's about appeasing you. And what's it really going to find out that we don't already know? The Gabba needs to be rebuilt. The Gabba is going to cost a lot of money because guess what? Everything costs a lot of money now, but it is an investment into our future your future, your kids' future, your grandkids' future. Why? Well, it's an attraction here in Brisbane. It brings big events here. Yes, it'll be the Olympics and Paralympics in 32, but we're talking test matches and ensuring that the Gabba stays at the forefront of that. Concerts, uh, AFL, it brings people to town and it makes them spend money. It makes the economy go around. Tourism, accommodation, hospitality. (sighs) Actually, one man who knows all about this is sitting on the line now wondering, what the hell have I walked into? Never-ending stories and Gabba rebuilds. He's uh, Channel 7's, that's right, my colleague at Channel 7's Big Bash expert, has played for Australia, has played Big Bash, won titles, I speak none other than Brad Hodge. Hodgie, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Ben. Yeah, listen, I was thinking what have I walked into here when I was hearing that sort of ramble about the Gabba and politics and all sorts of things like that. I thought, shit, it's a bit too early for me. (laughs) But here's the thing, and I tell you what, the moment I mention this, it is a hot-button topic in this city because half are for it, half are against it. And it's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. And it's, it's our money. It's taxpayers' money. And you know what, Hodgie? Your money too because Canberra's going to help pay for it. Just before we get into the cricket, can I just ask, from someone who's played at the Gabba, who's been downstairs in the playing sheds and that environment, but even now as a broadcaster, how do you see the Gabba compared to other stadiums? And we, I'm being told, and I can see it myself, it is not fit for purpose in 2024 and moving forward. What are your thoughts? Oh, like like most stadiums, they sort of grow out of vogue uh, after about 20 years, don't they? Um, I'm from Melbourne, born and bred, and I've seen the evolution of the MCG um, all the way from, you know, when I went to, went to watch cricket as a young kid in the 80s to, to what it is now. And I think you, you hit the nail right on the head talking about what, what it brings to the public. Um, and, and, and the MCG is an icon sitting in the middle of our city that attracts everything from football. You mentioned concerts. It's a great place to take your family. There's dining, there's restaurants, there's bars. It's a, it's, it's, it probably needs an upgrade. That's the honest opinion about the Gabba. Um, personally, it, it's, I've got a lot of good memories there, but I've got a lot of 
bad memories there walking away with a handful of ducks most time when I went there. So if it's going to be revamped and, and make runs, then I'm all for it. But look, everyone has a love affair with their home ground. Um, people have shared a lot of memories and good memories um, when you go and watch either your, your, your footy team um, or, or Queensland cricket win a Sheffield Shield. When they so put 900 on Victoria, yeah, no, I remember that. Remember that yeah, well. look, I can't quite remember when you got 900. I fell asleep after about 400, I reckon. So, um, <laughs> yeah, look, things like that. And, and But you know what? Like, if you don't evolve, um, you get caught behind. So, um, you know, we've, we've broadcasted and watched some games over at Perth Stadium, and, you know, they put on a fantastic show, the light show, and... Mm. Yeah, it just it's it's just the experience, and people want a little bit more out of the experience, the entertainment side these days, the expectation. Um, yeah, it's 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 a topical uh, it's a topical thing, no doubt about it. Um, not sure what a review's going to be done. It's like it's it's got the tick of approval, right? It's going to happen. So it's going to happen. It's just it's what happened. And, it's whether it's a renovation yeah, or a right. knockdown and rebuild. Hey, Hodgie, what about tomorrow night? Carrara on the Gold Coast, the Brisbane Heat, their one win away from uh, hosting a big bash final. Yet the punters, yeah. the markets, everyone you talk to outside of Queensland uh, aren't really giving them a chance. Aren't really aren't really saying that they're the ones to beat for the title yet. They're the ones that have only lost one match all summer. Hey, interesting, isn't it? Um, look, I, I beg to differ. I reckon Queensland are absolutely one of the teams to beat. And I think that point is that everyone's been chasing um, the heat all along. And I've seen faultless cricket, actually. I think they've been outstanding there. Their batting unit's been really good. Their bowling unit's been good. And their fielding as well has been outstanding. So um, I think the package is actually there. Mitchell Swepson looks rejuvenated again this year after finishing really well last year. Kuhneman's bowling as well as he ever had and, you know, got some real confidence after playing for Australia. Xavier Bartlett, Michael Niso, look, the package is actually all there. Um I don't understand why the punters are a little bit nervous or don't think that they can get over the line. I think the only thing that would throw the Brisbane Heat off this track is the fact that they've got to go and play at, at the Gold Coast and haven't played a game there yet. So that's the only sort of one unknown in, in this recipe of success. Matt Renshaw getting released from the test squad, coming back to play for the Heat too. That's uh, that's a great move by Cricket Australia, getting the best players on the park playing. The one thing the Heat yeah. have to combat though is, I mean, well, Renners is coming back great, but they have they have lost Billings, they have lost Munro, and as much as it has been shared around this summer for Brisbane and not not relying on any one player, it does upset the. Uh, well, actually, does it upset the harmony and the balance when you bring someone like a, a Jimmy Pearson or a Maxi Bride in? From your experience as a player yeah, who's yeah who's been there, yeah, uh, it does a little bit. But you know, from what I saw from Max Bryant, um, he played a fantastic knock in the final last year, and he's going to have a similar opportunity this year. Um, what's his form like? Well, that's that's a question. Yeah, you know, same as Jimmy Pearson. But they're both pretty experienced BBL players now. Um, The timing of this is obviously not good. And it's something I think the competition has to look at when you start, you know, when you lose players right around finals time. It's not great. You wouldn't want Darcy Moore going off and playing for the 
Bangladesh uh, Football League, would you, on the high of the September? If you're a, Ly- if you're a Lions fan, you probably would. Don't worry about that. Maybe, correct. But, yeah. you know, that's that's the reality. So I think I think that needs to be looked at and, and, and a resolution in that space. Um, but what I will say is that the bench strength, to be able to mention those two players to come mm. in as replacement players is, is, is pretty impressive. So... I think the list is actually quite good at the the heat, and um, he's a max winner. He's a he's a match winner, Max Bryan, and, and Jimmy Pearson. He probably had the form of his life last year and can't get a game. So it's uh, that one's a mystery, but got some good players, that's for sure. Yeah, um, he'll be a guest, Jimmy Pearson, in the next hour on the program. So put that to him exactly how really? he feels. Oh, awesome. yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, um, Hodgie, just so on that, um, the Sixers, what what threats do they pose? I was interested to see. They've got that travel across from Perth. And that match, the Scorchers and Sixers, uh, to see who was finishing in second spot, uh, one of the all-time classics in, in Big Bash. But yep. the way the Sixers, actually even both Perth, and Sydney, it almost like it was their grand final. They were celebrating, getting through. It was a tough ask in the West in that heat. Could they have? Could they be spent flying across the the country and 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 having to back up on Friday night? Yeah, well, quite possibly. We were actually flying myself and Alistair Nicholson, the flying, and Ricky Ponting from the Gold Coast to Perth to call the game um, on Saturday night. Mm. And I must say, I'm not looking forward to that five-hour journey. So I can imagine that it's definitely taken its toll on the Sydney Sixers group um, with the amount of effort they put in. Speaking to Greg Shippard, um, he said that they hadn't had a great record over in Perth. In fact, they'd really struggled. So I think that's why you saw that that celebration, that excitement from the team. that achieved something in their group which was special. And that's dangerous. You've got to be watching out for that for sure. Yeah, all right. Um, their biggest threats, who who do we have to look out for as Heat fans? Who do they need to shut down on the gate, take well, out of the game? Well, I think they're a pretty good they're a pretty good side. Um you've got to get early wickets, like any T twenty game. If you can get Josh Phillippe early and you can put pressure on there and get your spinners into the game, then then you're right in the money. Um I think you've got a lot of variations in your attack, which is really good for mm against the Sydney Sixers. Um, they're a good, well-balanced side. They don't change their side. So it means that everyone's performing. It's going to be a tough challenge, but, you know, you need some courage and you're probably going to have to take down a couple of their quick bowlers because their spinners, like yours, are very good. Their economy rates are outstanding. So, you know, if I was coaching the side, if I was Wade Seckham, I'd be, I'd be urging the players to be pretty ultra-aggressive against the quicks. Against the quicks, yeah, because you've got the the you've got Steve O'Keefe, Todd Murphy, who've uh, come into uh, play. Socky has been absolutely yeah. killing it, exactly. Hey, Hodge, so have you, yeah, mate? I really, yeah, yep. really appreciate your time this morning and uh, and going uh, a lap of the map with us from Perth to the Gabba to inside outside, and we'll uh, uh, catch the uh, commentary on seven, of course, uh, tomorrow night at Carrara. Welcome to God's country when you get here. Uh, cricket, yes, is on the menu, but at this time of year, it is also tennis. Yes. Today, our great hope on the men's side of the draw, Alex Dimonor inside the world's top 10 and into the third round. He is playing okay, but you know what? His confidence is even bigger and better. Um, yeah, obviously, I think nothing can give you more belief than winning matches, and especially 
good matches and I think that's what I've gotten this year so saying that I feel um, in a good position where uh, maybe I know if I if I don't bring my A game I still uh, I still got plenty to show and uh, I've won enough matches this year to kind of know how to win certain types of matches and I come to terms with not having to play perfect tennis out there but just do enough to to get the job done and yeah, outstanding stuff, isn't it? To hear something like that. He is confident. He is flying. Could he be the man to break the, well, the four-decade-plus drought of an Australian male winning at the Australian Open? Uh, let's bring in our SEN tennis expert, Brett Phillips. Brett, a very good morning to you. That's good stuff to hear from the demon, isn't it? Yeah, I feel more confident, Ben, than I ever have about Alex's game. I just I think there's a real surety about it at the moment and you can you can feel that he feels that sort of comfort, you know, not um, getting into any sort of comfort zone, so to speak, but he is, every time he steps out now, I think he just feels like his game's in good nick and, that uh, you know, he's, he's playing a high level of tennis and you've got a problem solve out there, things are going your way, then things, the ebbs and flows of the game, you have some patches where things don't go your way. I mean, I just think back to yesterday and, you know, he's two years advanced on Matteo Alnaldi. And I, I think there was a great comment by John Fitzgerald on there who said, I wouldn't mind buying some shares in Alnaldi because uh, down the track you can see what he can become. And he's two years behind Demonor at 22. And we he's risen up to 40-odd, and we think that uh, growth is going to keep going. But then you pit these two together yesterday, and you can just see Alex has played you know, more tennis at the higher level on the bigger stages in the way he executed. So Arnaldi, you know, when you play a higher rank player, you have those little moments. If you don't take those moments, they're quickly snuffed away by the really good player. Could have got to four all with a break in the first after that trailing and then could have broken Demon or, you know, first game of the second set and got on his way to maybe levelling it at a set apiece. Once those two things were taken away, the demon, as all the good players do, just put the foot down and yeah. squashed any hopes. So, yeah, no, look, I love the way he's playing. You know, he takes on uh, Caboli, Italian qualifier next, so hugely winnable. And we're going one game at a time, uh, but you feel like he can certainly get into the second week in the mix of what will be left, which, you know, is going to be a bit of cream ahead of him. Yeah, well, if you, anyone can win 11 games in a row, you, you're going all right. So third round, uh, joining him there is, mm. is Storm Hunter. I, I, love the, I love the name. I love the way she's playing, but I just love the name <laughs> Storm Hunter. It's powerful. It invokes so much, so much imagery, doesn't it? Yeah, well, when you think she's probably had two great names because she was Storm Sanders, which always captivated us as well, and became Storm Hunter. Yeah. So it's been a name that always just jumped, jumped off the page at you. And look, you wouldn't meet a nicer person bending tennis than uh, Storm and you know, she's got a really interesting decision to make because, you know, great to get to world number one in doubles and she's made a fair bit of money the last two years to give us some uh, security in tennis. Now, as courtesy of qualifying and making it to the third round, she's elevated 53 ranking spots to one, two, seven. Wow. Now, I think... I think she would feel unsatisfied in her career if she never got inside the top 100, which means that she may have to put doubles on hold this year and really focus on that now that she's got a little bit of money in the bank because she can play great singles tennis. And uh, what an opportunity for her to have her deepest run at a slam. And she plays Barbora Kuchika the next, who's won a French Open. She's, you know, the ninth seed. But, you know, not someone that um, is necessarily an intimidating player out on the court. 
Um, yeah, I love the way Stormy's going about it. But she's got a big decision to make this year because I'd love to see her in double figures in the rankings. Yeah, it's her first time in a third round of a Grand Slam as well. So they're, they're flying the flag for the Aussies. Uh, well, they were yesterday. Um, we, we lost a few along the way. Alexi Popperin, um, and this is probably the, this match being one of the big talking points out of uh, the Australian Open in the last 24 hours. Uh, he, he took a set off uh, Novak Djokovic, didn't he? But it was what happened after a crowd member decided to have a crack at Novak that sort of changed the complexion of this match. Yeah, well, you know, that's sort of, I feel like that's become part of the course that, you know, Djokovic draws the attention of uh, uh, some people or someone in the crowd. And it's just the way the crowds have changed a bit at the Australian Open, particularly for those uh, those night matches where you do get some, uh, you know, a little bit of um, uh, unruly type uh, behaviour. But Dutch yeah, courage. Yeah, the Popperinet, yeah, you know, exactly. If Popperin had gone two sets to one up, who knows what might have happened, but... And he had a great opportunity there. He was in the driver's seat in that third set, let the opportunity slip. And once Djokovic won the tiebreaker, you just knew the script from there. So, yeah, there was some big ticks for Alexi. I think he'll take a bit out of that. But, you know, to you know to beat Djokovic, you've got to stay the course. And he just, uh, yeah, let some moments uh, slip. And then, you know, Jordan Thompson really pushed Sitsi pass. That was a hard-fought match. O'Connell stretches Shelton to four. So all the men, they gave it everything, just weren't quite good enough. Uh, Brett, uh, I played some of Novak's comments uh, last hour where he said, uh, among other things, look, I'm not going to kick the bloke out. He, he's paid his money. He's entitled to do and say what he wants. I went, uh, hang on. <laughs> That's a big call. But for someone in Novak's position, uh, where he is in the standing of not only tennis but world sport, he, he thinks that if you pay your money, you're entitled to you know, act as you please. Uh, where, where for you is the line drawn? And that's what I'm asking uh, everyone this morning. Where does when's the line crossed? I mean, is is it booing? Is it personal heckling? Is it is there a line? Well, and I don't know whether Novak's totally uh, speaking the truth there, or is he <laughs> not wanting to rattle the cage? I mean, he's always yeah. been seeking love. He's always been seeking love from the crowd, Novak. So. I suppose if he comes out and has a crack, does, do more people start to, uh, you know, maybe get on his back? I don't know. Um, so I don't know whether he's totally telling us what he really thinks uh, of all of that. Uh, look, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line, isn't it? I, I mean, I just, look, I think just with tennis, there's just some basic etiquette of when you comment and when you don't comment. Um, you know, I've just, I've said it before, uh, this, this is their workplace and there's times of silence in tennis and there's times of really, yeah. you know, absolutely losing your marbles as a fan and giving it everything and riding the emotion of the sporting context. I have no issue with that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, when it gets, when it gets personal, I reckon that's, that's a step, uh, a step too far, but how do you, how do you police and control all this? That's the question. And, and well said on the etiquette because different sports have their different traditions, have their different, different, uh, different etiquette. And, and, and you know, you love that. You love that in tennis. You love that in golf because it's it's unique to that sport. So tradition goes uh, a, a long way. Hey, geez, this 16-year-old Russian, is, is it Mira Andreeva? Is that how you pronounce mm. it? Yeah. Um, isn't she something? Yeah, the real deal. Yeah. Um, look, it was a, the worst nightmare for Ron Jabeur, who um, Mira has idolised. Uh, it was quite you know funny, those two coming up against each other, and Ons has obviously done great things, but... Yeah, look, 12 months ago, she was in the girls' final at Melbourne Park. She lost to a young girl who also played yesterday. There were three 16-year-olds playing yesterday, Alina Corneva. They went three hours. And then Mira Andreeva last year went from no ranking pretty much 
to inside the top 50. It was the most extraordinary jump. Great run at Wimbledon, the French, a couple of other tournaments where she qualified for big WTA 1000s. Look, she speaks well. She's got presence in the court. She's got a really good game. She's a bit of fun, but she's on a mission. So this is a little bit of a throwback, you know, to Hingis and Capriati and that sort of era. And look, she's, I think, at 34, live in the rankings now and skyrocketing really, really quickly. So she is, um, she's heading for the top. All right, wanted to keep an eye on now. What about uh, Aussies in action today? Um, uh, Big Max is up uh, up first, isn't he, uh, this morning? Yeah, he is. Uh, on Margaret Court Arena, got Casper Rude, who is trying to rediscover his best form. You know, former world number two, 11th seed, hasn't always played his best tennis in Melbourne. So that's an opportunity for Max, uh, who didn't necessarily play his best tennis in the opening round, but... Geez, if he can get his get his game going, particularly on serve, you know he's a real handful. So I give him <clears throat> certainly a chance. Thanasi uh, up against Grigor Dimitrov. <clears throat> Look, the form that Dimitrov's in, you know Thanasi's going to have to play a really special game uh, later today. I think Dimitrov's seeing it really, really well. And yeah, Isla Tomjanovic up against Yelena Ostapenko. A little bit of fireworks in that one uh, later on uh, tonight. Well, they might not be, but their last contest there certainly was at the end of the match and. Look, Ostapenko is playing um, really good tennis. One Adelaide, great run, like quarters in Brisbane, and you know around here against Kim Birrell. So, yeah, that one I, I think <laughs> will go the distance of three sets with plenty of momentum shifts. Yeah, and plenty of feeling in it as well. Back to back there, Tanasi and uh, Isla on John Kane Arena, the Aussies' home. Well, home court advantage. We are about to head into the heat bunker. We know Usman Kawaja is the heat captain when he's on deck in Teal. He won't be tomorrow night down at Carrara. When the heat take on the sixes, the winner goes straight into the Big Bash final. Uh, One man who's picking up the slack that uh, Uzi has uh, left, I suppose you could put it that way, Jimmy Pearson, who's opening the batting for the heat or did so in Perth. He's got the gloves on as well. Jimmy, very good morning to you. Morning, Benny. How are you, mate? Very well. Um, you opening tomorrow night? Is that the plan? Uh, that's the plan so far. Um, yeah, a bit of a new role for me going to the side, but um, I'll take whatever I can get just to get, get a game for the heat again. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that in just a moment, but look, it's a role that you picked up and flourished with in, in Perth. Um, top scored for the heat. Um, those below you probably didn't get the job done as they needed to, but it seemed to sit comfortably with you. Is that the way it felt? Uh, yeah, I guess so. There's a little bit of rust there, certainly. Um, I still, I still feel like I've got a bit of growing to do in that role. Um, probably like the score a little bit faster. That being said, the Perth deck was a bit nippy the other day. So, yeah, look, I think last time I, I did the role, I was a little bit younger, a little bit more um, crash and bash. Whereas now I'm probably a little bit more mature. And um, when I'm teamed up with someone like Brandon, I probably look to set myself up and, and um, look to, to bat through the innings. So. Yeah, definitely a role I'd like to continue doing. Um, and certainly, um, you know, there's some areas to, to continue working on as well. Yeah, well, it's a it's a big and important role, anchoring a, a big bash innings now. 20 overs and being there at the end is what you'd like to see. Hey, mate, how are you approaching the Sixers tomorrow night? Have you given much thought, much insight into them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, we all sat down and watched the game uh, against Perth the other night, and they played beautifully. Uh, what a game cricket that was! So yeah, it was a classic. fantastic to watch. Um, yeah, it was, it was anyone's game at any moment, and obviously the Sixers got the job done. So preparing to take them on, um, they're a good side, and I think you know Carrara's. We've played them a few times there, so that they'll know the conditions as well as we do. Um, they've got some good spinners and Stephen O'Keefe and, and Toddy Murphy, um, some some power batting as well. Moses batted beautifully the other night, so. Certainly some, some dangerous players in their side, but um, of late we've had some good 
good success against them. Uh, beat them in a final last year to get ourselves into the final against Perth last year. So going in with great confidence and looking forward to playing a home final. Yeah, well, you beat them this year as well. I know it was rain-affected uh, at Coffs Harbour, but uh, tall Paul got you across the line there. He, hasn't he been a revelation? But that's the thing. The Sixers hold no fears uh, for you. You mentioned the spinners coming into play. In the past, we know Carrara has been a – well, it's a drop-in pitch, so that slower deck that really doesn't do too much yet. And we'll, we'll hear from the – uh, head groundsman tomorrow on, on the program, but when I caught up with him last week on Seven Years, I don't know, it was uh, a week ago, but he, he said there's a high clay content in this pitch. So it, it almost Gabba-like, and he's trying to replicate the Gabba as much as he can. Are, are you, I mean, have you had a look at it, Jimmy? Are, 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 can you even tell if you have seen it, what it's going to do tomorrow night? And are you expecting a, a little bit more bounce from this pitch? Uh, yeah, I had a look yesterday. Um, I, I definitely don't think it'll be like the Gabba. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it won't uh, be in, like in the Gabba. He was trying to get a Gabba-like, if, if and there is a difference right, in that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha. I think more, I more, Gab, achieve, more, yeah. more Gabba than Carrara, let's say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I don't know. I think each year we have seen it getting a little bit better. Um, obviously, a drop-in pitch does behave a little bit differently to what we've got um, usually at the Gabba. I think it, it'll, be, it'll be a good pitch. It was, it was quite high-scoring last year. Um, it'll probably be on the slower side and it will take more spin than we're used to uh, in Brisbane. So, uh, look, yeah, look, it's, it, we know what to expect. Each year it has gotten that little bit better. So uh, I think it'll be a good game. Of three. I think the wicket will be fine um, and we'll look to take them on in those conditions. Yeah, good stuff. That's the attitude that we want. Jimmy Pearson, my guest this morning, uh, gearing up for tomorrow's final Big Bash final, the qualifier, the winner between the Heat and the Sixers goes straight into the decider, hosting it as well. It's on Carrara, and, of course, it's on here, SENQ, from 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Hey, hey Jimmy, what about your summer? Um, we know with Sam Billings being there, I mean, he was here last year, but you had the gloves last year. It was a different role for you this summer. Can, can I ask how have you approached it and has it been tough watching on in the early stages? Oh, definitely. It took some getting used to, Benny, I'll be honest. Um, you know, obviously I love being a part of the team and, and doing my role, but I think this year we wanted that sixth bowling option. Um, so it made, you know, batting spots in the side a little bit more um, tighter to, to get and, and, and feel by sort of love. So, yeah, certainly certainly some adjusting early on in the tournament, but um, as the tournament went on, you just sort of you understand that you've got a job to at the back end and um, you know, the team was doing so well, so it was great to see. So certainly um, at the start it was tough work, but as, as the season went on, you know, I had my eyes on the, on the finals and getting ready for that. So preparing well for that, making sure the guys taking the, taking the field and the 11 are prepared as well, helping out where I can. And, um, you know, now that the time's come to, to pull the pull the cap back on, it's time to, to win some finals. So I'm um, raring to go and I'm really excited to, to play my part. Ah, fantastic stuff, mate. It's what we want to hear, thriving under that pressure. And if there's a man that knows how to deal with the pressure, when you have come in in the past, maybe the heat uh, a few wickets down for not many runs, you have come in and been able to shore things up and uh, and uh, punch us back into some sort of uh, competitive mode, which is uh, brilliant to see. I spoke to Brad Hodge last hour. Uh, Jimmy, and and he said, you know, yeah, sure, the Heat, like other teams, have lost internationals, but when you get someone like Jimmy Pearson coming off your bench and Max Bryant as well, I mean, hello, that's fairly good depth, I would have thought. Uh, it, yeah, it is nice to have, you know, a couple of guys like ourselves that have played quite a bit of big bash cricket come in and, you know, we've experienced the finals, we know what to expect in those in those tight moments and, 
Um, yeah, we haven't got a whole lot of game time under our belt, but certainly we've got those seasons gone by of experience. So, yeah, it is nice to come in and, you know, slip straight in and then hopefully have some effect in our roles. And we saw Maxi, he looks like he's in good nick. He played well in Perth the other night um, as well. So, yeah, it is nice to have us come back in. Um, hopefully, May Renshaw can join us as well, even though he's away for test test duties at the moment and uh, our side starts to look like a pretty good side still so yeah very exciting times well I was going to ask about Renners I mean he's been cleared to come back and, and play which is a which is a, a great thing um, especially uh, especially when we saw what he you know what he can do I mean last year that ramp shot to win it right on the end of the death so we know he can come up clutch when needed yeah definitely and again another experienced player uh, one of our uh, real engine room batters in the middle order um he probably hasn't had the season he's wanted. He's had a couple of impactful games, but he's probably you know, not been as consistent as he would have liked. But certainly I know he's working extremely hard and uh, what better time to hit your straps in the final. So it's a busy schedule for him flying in, flying out and being a part of the test team. But, uh, you know, he's the ultimate professional and we're really excited to have him back and, and strengthen our batting order and hopefully, you know, have a, a match-winning performance from him like he was saw so many times and, and seasons gone by. So it's very exciting. How much is the weather going to play a part on, on what you do and how you approach it, toss-wise and stuff like that, Jimmy? Oh, yeah, look, it's no doubt it's been some rain in Brisbane and, and the Gold Coast at the moment. It's just sort of that unsettled, showery stuff coming through, that low sitting off the coast up north. So uh, I think there will be some rain around. Hopefully we can get three hours of no rain and get on and play yeah. game cricket. But, um, you know, as the story's been this summer, there's certainly going to be some rain. So... Uh, just making sure we adjust. We have done so as well um, down at Coffs against the Sixers, as we mentioned earlier, when it was rain-affected. So, um, yeah, it could play, play a part. Looking outside now, there are clouds around here at the Gold Coast, so hopefully not, but it's just important that we can be adaptable if it does come around to it and we can get the job done if need be. Is it best to get in to set a title uh, or is it best to come in second to try and chase something under Duckworth Lewis which can either go in your favour or normally goes against you? What's What's the best strategy in your opinion? Oh, look, I, I like chasing um, in those conditions. Also, you get a bit of a look at the wicket if you bowl first and see how it's behaving. Yeah. Um, you know, and depending how much rain, it can actually make the wicket skid on and make batting nice. Uh, so, look, I, I would prefer chasing that situation. But look, as, if you, you come to the toss and it looks like it's going to be clear for a period, you just got to make the best decision. And if it rains, you take on whatever happens there. So, um, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on it. Hopefully, we can get those those three hours of cricket in. And, and um, get a good account of both sides. Good stuff. Go in and attack, mate. I really appreciate your time this morning. The Heat's uh, looking to go back-to-back in back-to-back deciders. Uh, Jimmy Pearson is going to be a big part of that. Mate, go well and uh, take down Sydney, Queensland. We know that rivalry, state of origin rivalry, has come to <laughs> come to Carrara tomorrow night. Uh, Jimmy Pearson from the Brisbane Heat. Of course, you can hear all the action here on SENQ. Five o'clock tomorrow afternoon, 6.93 here in Brisbane, 16.20 on the Goldie. Of course, you can do it, catch us on air, uh, online or on your phone. You can download the app today.